Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now This is Coulter Wilson, and welcome to another episode of Homebrewing DIY. Today we're talking with Dave Osachi as we dive into his experience building the iSpindle. iSpindle is a do-it-yourself gravity and temperature device that you can use to view your gravity at any point during fermentation. So stick with me as we talk iSpindle. Keeping a clean brewery is the key to making great beer that doesn't get contaminated. Do you use a glass or plastic carboy for your fermentation? Did you know that getting your carboy clean can be tough, especially removing the cruising ring? Even with traditional carboy cleaning tools, it can take a lot of time and not get your carboy completely clean. Well, today there's a new tool that can easily clean your carboy and do it fast. And that tool is called a scrubber ducky. Scrubber duckies are a new magnetic carboy cleaner that are easy to use and get the cleaning results required in brewing. Drop a magnetic scrubber into your carboy and be able to scrub away all of the grime in that hard to clean cruisin. They are no match for scrubber duckies and you can get yours today at scrubberduckies.com. Once again, head over to scrubberduckies.com. Have you ever wanted to make a podcast? Do you have a subject you want to discuss with listeners? Do you even know where to start? Well, if you want to make a podcast and you want to get started now, I could not recommend Anchor enough. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place, for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Hey, look, I shopped around for a place to post my podcast and Anchor was the easiest, most streamlined experience you could ask for. So if you're looking for a place for your new podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, 
download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the show that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this show covers it all. On today's show, we're talking to Dave Osachi about how to build the iSpindle gravity and temperature reader. This is a do-it-yourself project that with the right instructions and a little elbow grease, you can have a very cool gadget for viewing your gravity and temperature in real time during fermentation. Please support the podcast by clicking on the support link in the description. Your support for this podcast keeps us going strong and helps keep us on the air. It's easy to support this podcast by going to anchor.fm forward slash homebrewingdiy forward slash support. You can use Apple Pay and you can contribute as little as 99 cents a month. Once again, any amount helps. Another way to support this podcast is by writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your ratings and reviews help other homebrewers find this show. The last way you can support this show is by trying out Brewfather, the brewing software that I personally use. Brewfather is completely in the cloud. It has a very clean, sleek design that makes creating recipes super easy. You can get a step-by-step guide of your brew day that allows you to keep impeccable notes. You can even do your water adjustments in the software. I used to use a spreadsheet for water adjustments, and Brewfather makes it a very simple and easy process today. If you'd like to try Brewfather, please head over to our new website at homebrewingdiy.beer and click on the Brewfather banner. It lets them know that we sent you and help support the podcast. Once again, head over to homebrewingdiy.beer and click on the Brewfather banner to let them know. I've been following the iSpindle project for some time, since about 2016, but never bit the bullet on making my own. But today we have Dave Osachi here to tell us that it's a pretty easy and inexpensive way to create a great floating hydrometer yourself. So let's get talking to Dave about the iSpindle. I do want to let listeners know that on today's call with Dave, I did have some audio issues with our video. And we couldn't overcome those issues, and so we tried to fix them, but in the end, we just went forward with the call. So today, I bring you Dave Osachi and the iSpindle. All right, welcome to Homebrewing DIY, and today we're talking to Dave Osachi, and we're going to talk about a really cool project called the iSpindle. And uh, Dave, uh, are you with us? Yes, yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show today. So Yeah, uh, I'm really excited to have you, and let, let's just start with, you know, a lot of people aren't going to know what the iSpindle is. And so why don't we just start there and give a good explainer of what the project is and, and, and what it does. So the, uh, the iSpindle came about as uh, basically um, a tilt clone. So everyone knows about the tilt. And um, a bunch of guys from Germany uh, came up with the idea, mainly a guy named Universal Sam or Universe Sam. Uh, you can find the project on GitHub. And I initially found out about the project from rumblings just in the homebrew scene. Uh, so there was guys talking about it. And at the time when it first came out, I think it was back in 2006 or 2016, um, this started coming about. And the, actually, the 
information about it was only on a German forum. So I actually had to use Chrome and use Chrome to convert the German and then actually learn, like, basically get the ideas of what was happening and then go over the GitHub. And, I mean, the project wasn't even in English at that time. So, I mean, um, it was basically, you know, follow along in the forum, you know, the the part list to build it was rough and there was issues with it. Um, it actually got me because at first when you the first it first came out it had you had to use a 3d printed tray so it actually got me going down the route of actually building a 3d printer as back in you know 2016 and we didn't have these you know magnificent 3d printers where you couldn't jump on mono price per se and buy a 3d printer for you know 200 bucks so that got me going down the road of actually building a 3d printer so that i could print the tray to actually be able to make one of these things so i went down that route built a 3d printer and then you know got the parts together got you know of course everyone knows whenever you're going to build something electronics and in the brew world you jump on aliexpress and start ordering up the parts because they take about three months to get here right <laughs> yes uh, they do they totally take especially like three months. for me here i'm i'm based out of canada so i know sometimes guys in the u.s get stuff faster than what i can get in canada so you jump on aliexpress start buying these parts and then of course once you start getting the parts then of course of course then the parts started changing because you know they've found out you know after you know trial and error you know all of a sudden okay no this isn't going to work or this is you know the battery's being eaten up too much and yeah i, I, I saw that so. on the original thread that the battery was eaten up very quickly but i, I think the first thing we want to do is just quickly explain what a tilt is we, we want to assume that people don't yeah, know what so that the, is the ice bundle is basically um is a Wi-Fi enabled uh, IoT device, so an Internet of Things device. It's powered by the Wemos D1 or the ESP8266. Um, it uses an acceler accelerometer, so that's the MPU6050. Uh, it, they've added on the Dallas DS18B20, uh, so you can do temp readings. And basically, the system will measure the sensors every X minutes. Uh, by de default, it's 90, 900 seconds or every 15 minutes. And then it'll connect or turn back on and send that information. So it s sends uh, tilt information, the tilt angle of the device when it's in the, your actual, you know, what you're fermenting, your um, mash as it is or your wart. And it'll send the temperature as well as it'll send the vo battery voltage so it knows, um, you know, how much battery voltage it has so and as we know when we when we add um yeast to a wart it's going to eat those sugars and what happens is the device is actually going to change and it's going to tilt in a direction and it's going to move so you can it'll basically tell you what when your beer is done fermenting and this can all be graphed there's lots of different services now that you can hook up to by default the first one was ubi dots and now i think you know i think everything that you know from craft beer brew pie the brew pie less uh to the brew father i think has integration to it now so i mean there's lots of in uh lots of different websites now that you can integrate to send this information to so yeah so basically what this is doing is it's a hydrometer that floats in your beer and and is relaying that back to different services so that you can almost pull out your phone and see what your gravity is at any point during your fermentation 
Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, why don't we talk a bit about that history and, you know, that it started in Germany and uh, kind of where the project is today from there? So, yeah, then the, it initially started in Germany, and now, I mean, it's, you know, expanded a lot. You know, a lot of people have gotten involved with it, like, just with, like, the integration into it, right? And then it started, of course, with the 3D, the tray, and having to build off of one of the um, ESP8026 uh, expansion boards or module boards to now there's, you know, numerous PCB boards out there. There, you know, I think the big... The big start with the, the PCB boards came from two guys on Homebrew Talk. The one guy's name was Mikmon Ken and Gromit D. They were the ones that came out with the famous blackboard that you see everybody buying off of PCB, PCB.io. So and that's just your basic board. That one, basically, you solder everything into it or solder and uh, then hook it into your 3D, uh, 3D printed tray. <clears throat> then another guy came about, his name was Cherry Phillip, and he created the iSpindle PCB board. Now that's the one that you'll see usually now. It's a big green or yellow, I think he's got the yellow PCB board, and uh, people are now starting to utilize that one as it's much easier to you know set up and use. So, And what makes that easier to set up and use is comparative to the old board? You just don't need the 3D printer, right? You don't need the sled. It's all built into one board. You solder, solder every all the parts into the board. It's all nicely laid out. It has, you know, the the white, you know, the nice silk screen on it, so you know where it is. And you know, there's pretty good instructions out there right now. I'm working on instructions uh, as well. I've, you know, soldered up a bunch of these boards now, and I've I'm going to put together a guide on how to create one if everyone, anyone wants, you know an easier guide to look at for the newer board i know his board went through many many revisions before it got to the 4.0 board that he has now so excellent and and so with the 4.0 board that you have now what would you say are the basic parts you would need like and what they do and uh and maybe general cost of what what one to put together is yeah, so you need the PCB board. Um, this one's a little bit tricky because it's a little longer than usual PCB board manufacturing. Like if you've ever gone on to a PCB board house in China there, they only want to print 100 by 100. And this board measures, I think, uh, 33 by 133. So it's a little bit more expensive than what you see with most PCB board manufacturing. Like I know most guys, you can get, you know, 10 boards for five bucks. I think this one costs a little bit more to build just because of the, how big it is. And then you basically need the board. You need the plastic cylinder, which can be fun to get, especially here in North America, because it's using a geocache container. And that's the other tricky part when you go with the PCB board over the 3D sled. The 3D sled uses an actual bigger geocache container than the PCB board. So if you if you if most people that have looked into it, there's an XL um, geocache container, and then uh, there's an X triple XL. Uh, geocache container and all these containers is is just uh, basically a preform for like a water or soda bottle so what they'll do is they'll take this this preform that we're going to use to throw it into our beer and all they do is use heat and make it into either a water bottle or a you know pepsi or coke container so basically we're using these and the unfortunate part you know that that's the hardest part i think 
in this whole project is to find these things. And there is a good person on uh, eBay that I found. Uh, she goes by Unique Geocaches. So if you search her on eBay, you'll just have to know if you're going to build the 3D sled one, you want to go with the triple or the double XL containers. If you're going with the PCB boards uh, that I mentioned, you'll want to go with the XL uh, pet con containers. So, and, and if you're curious what these are, just think, Remember, the, the, the a smaller version of that would be an old White Labs file, if anybody's familiar with those. Yeah, these are a bigger one. They're probably, you know, almost... Like, I know the bigger ones that I got when I was initially doing the 3D printed ones, they were, you know, really big compared to the ones that I'm ordering now, so... Excellent. And, and so, basically, you're going to need the PCB board, you're going to need the sensors, a battery... And then you're going to also need the container that it comes in. Is there anything else I'm missing? Yeah, you'll need, there's the temp sensor, the Dallas DS18B20, the MPU 6050 gyro acceleration sensor. You'll need a micro switch or something to turn on, on and off. Uh, <clears throat> you'll need the LiPo charger in order to recharge the battery and then you'll actually need the battery and a battery holder too i know some guys just saw solder in the battery to the points but i like to make it nice and neat and use the 1043 uh, keystone and it just the battery snaps into it most guys are using the samsung battery uh q30 but i find you know any of those bigger um batteries in that style work fine so they're okay. just uh 18 6 uh, 50 battery. So. Okay. And, and if I were to make one today, what would be the general cost of one? I think, yeah, the general cost is around 20, 20 bucks. Like, you know, include it, not including shipping just because shipping, you know, to Canada is, I know is a lot different than shipping to the United States. So most of the guys from China will ship for free. Whereas when I'm ship they're shipping to Canada, it's a little bit more pricey, but I think you can probably build one for, you know, 20 to 30 bucks, depending on how much you get the battery for. I think the battery, I think is the, your biggest cost in this whole project. So. Okay. And that's uh, significantly less than the $135 if you were going to get a tilt. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the main reason why people are looking at this. You can almost, I think guys said it best, you can, I think you can build three eye spindles for the cost of one tilt, right? True. And and the other thing is that the eye spindle is rechargeable, whereas the tilt is not. Right. Yeah, that's... But I think they said, like, I think the tilt, they'll say it lasts for, what, two, three years, so... Yeah, I've, I have a tilt, and I've never had a battery die yet. So... Yeah. And then my, I guess another question I have is uh, a, a big differentiator is that this is a Wi-Fi device versus a Bluetooth low energy, right? Yes, it's it's Wi-Fi just on the nature of the Wemos D1, right? Yeah. So if you were to build one today, what would you say is the biggest problem people have when they're building one? I think the one of the biggest things that you know, got me by surprise is um, once you get it programmed, it goes into a sleep mode because of the Wi-Fi. And you can't really, once you configure it and let it go, you can't do anything with it. So you don't think it's working, but it is. So you want to make sure that you have like your in integrations all set up. 
And then you want to make sure that, you know, by default, they set it to 900 seconds or 15 minutes turned on. I bumped that to 1800 seconds. I don't need this thing turning on four times in, you know, in an hour. Two times in an hour is good enough for me. Yeah. And to be honest, we're talking about multiple days of fermentation. That is a pretty good information that's a pretty sensitive piece of information when it comes to the overall time of a fermentation right yeah and also because it's using wi-fi if you're using a stainless steel device you want to make sure that your wi-fi connection is like close to the unit so i actually have a wireless router like right beside like on top of my fridge that I've connected in because I've had issues with connection issues when I'm using it with my uh, Brutech or um, SS Brutech uh, 7 gallon Chronicle. So when I drop it in there, if I don't have like a really strong Wi-Fi, I'll find that it, I'll get timeouts. So I just like through a Wi-Fi, I just, you know, bought like a cheap, you know, $15, $20 Wi-Fi extender or router and just put that right on top of my fridge that I ferment in and then I don't have any issues with signal. Now, if you're fermenting in plastic, you're not going to have any issues. I When I first was testing this thing, I was testing in just buckets because all I was doing was when you first calibrated, especially back before they actually had the calibration feature, you had to use it a bucket of water and then of just clear water and then add sugar to it in order to calibrate the thing. So now you just set the thing on your desk, go into the device and hit calibrate and it calibrates it. So, Okay, so calibrating it now is that it calibrates it setting on its desk upright, and so when you hit the button, it knows that hey, this is standing upright, and it's, it's not, not upright. They like it to be horizontal. Okay, so you lay it down horizontal, and then therefore it calibrates it, understanding that hey, this is laying on a table. Right. Excellent. I mean, you can you can still do it the old way if you want, and I think that it you're going to get better readings by doing that is using the bucket of water and adding sugar to it like they there's it they got explanations on the github of how to do it that way too and i think doing it that way especially the first time then you actually can see what's happening when it when your data comes across if you just do it on your desk you're not gonna you know you're not gonna see anything right so yeah. I think by doing it actually with, you know, you're only going to waste a couple cups of sugar anyways as you dilute your solution. And, you know, it's pretty cool watching it as you add it and then running back to your computer and looking at, you know, whatever device you got it hooked up to and seeing the data change. I mean, I'm, you know, and at that point, you, you want to make sure that you're, you're like sending the data every 30 seconds at that point just so you can see the data change so quick. So I... I I'm kind of a numbers guy or I like to see things as it happens. So it's pretty cool when you actually, you know, add sugar to the thing and then run back to your computer screen. You can see, Oh yeah, it's changing. So, yeah. And, and so let's talk about the accuracy of the ice spindle. I, I know that with my tilt, I'm usually a couple of points off of when I actually use a glass hydrometer. What, what is the accuracy when you've tested against a glass hydrometer? Um, it's pretty close. I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's, you know, a hundred percent, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's any worse than using, um, you know, uh, well, what's the thing? I don't, I don't use a hydrometer anymore. I use, uh, um, a refractometer. Yeah. I use a spectrometer and I, I think it's, you know, it's even closer to, you know, the, 
to to that than 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 anything. So yeah, with the refractometer, they're super sensitive to temperature as well as hydrometers are, right? And so yeah. You know, it's kind of something where, you know, if your hydrometer isn't actually at 68 degrees, you have to do an adjustment to make sure it's right. Right. And I don't know, a sing- at least of, of my friends, I don't have many homebrewers that are doing that. They usually, you know, oh, it's 72, it's fine. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. But on the other side of that is that uh, for me, having that information really gives me the ability to know when my beer's finished. I look for, you know, that, that. I look at my chart incessantly when I'm when I'm in the middle of a brew and I look for that flat line, right? Multiple days of flat line and then I just know it's done. And it's surprising to me sometimes how fast a yeast actually chews through a beer. Yeah, especially with these new Kvec ones, right? Those uh, new Kvec ones will eat through a beer and I've seen them anywhere from 24 to 36 hours and your beer's not fermenting, right? Oh man. So, yeah, I I personally have only drank some Kvic uh Kvike, sorry, some Kvike yeast, um but I have not actually made one yet. It's actually on my list of, of the next couple of beers I'm going to make. Yeah, it's pretty fun to watch those that, those ones you want to make sure you you set the updates a little bit lower, you know, quicker just so you can see the graphs move real quick, so so how long does the battery charge actually last on a on, on an ice spindle? Uh, well, it, depends on, it all depends on how many times you're updating. So, I mean, if you leave it at the default, um, you know, they say and it all depends on your battery, too. The better the, you know, if you go with the Samsung batteries, some people say you can get a week out of it, you know. Some people say you can only get three to four days. So, you know, it all depends. So I mean, all- there's a lot... The main thing is is the interval in which you have it calling back really affects the overall battery life. Right, because it actually has to wake up the entire device and, you know, go through it. And the first thing it does is turn on the Wi-Fi, you know, and goes through and boots up and checks a bunch of things. And then it actually do, it does, the, the, does the call and sends your, you know, looks at all the sensors and sends that information. So... It is a it is a hard stop when it's done. So in order for it to wake itself up, it uh, you know it does take a little bit little bit more of the battery to use it. But like I've done loggers with it, and usually when I'm doing my bump, like when I'm doing to, you know when I'm bumping my loggers up in order to you know finish them finish them finish them off before I bring them back down the crash. Usually I'll take it out and recharge it then. Cause all I'm doing is, you know, letting the beer come up to, you know, 68 degrees or whatever, you know, basically ambient temperature is that I can get in my basement. And basically then I take it out and just throw it on the charger so that when I'm done, you know, when I'm, when I'm going to crash it again, back down, then I throw it back in just so I can watch the temperature. Cause I don't, I use it, I use it for temperature too. I mean, I got the, you know, I, have two other readings in my fridge but it's nice to always have have the one that's actually in you know in the liquid too i mean the ss brewtech has like the um has the temperature sensor that you can put right inside too but you know it's always nice to have an extra one in there as well so and and what what kind of fermentation software are you using today i'm been playing with a bunch i've been using ubi dots from the beginning and that's the one that came initially with it. And I'm starting to play around with uh, the Brew Pilus right now. So I want to get one of those involved because um, there's integration between the Eichbindle and the Brew Pilus that uh, it'll actually turn on your fridge. And, you know, I, you know, I 
been doing that manually for the last bit. I've been using a Ranko, you know, the old temperature sensors that they use in for milk fermenting and having to bump it up manually. <clears throat> so I'm looking at integrating it with a brew pilus right now um, in order so that I can integrate die spindle with the brew pilus so that it, you know, it'll basically, again, I could just open up my phone and see exactly what my beer is doing. So, yeah. And so the, uh, let me just clarify that. So what you're saying is, is that if I have an ice spindle and I'm running brew pilus, instead of having a thermo well in my beer, I could actually have the ice spindle be the temperature reading that the system's running off of. As far as I'm aware, yes. I haven't looked. I haven't got. I've, I'm just going down the rabbit hole. So awesome. I haven't got to that point yet, but that's what the that's what it seems like it can happen. So yeah, personal... I know with the brew pipe too, with ferment track, you can do that as well, and. With the ferment track, you can actually have multiple ice spindles. So if you have multiple beers, you can have multiple ice spindles. With just using brew pilus, you can only have one. Okay, so that, yeah, that does make. If a you difference. want to ferment in multiple vessels, you'll want to look at going with ferment track. If you're just fermenting one thing, then brew pilus works just as just as fine from what I've what I'm aware of. Yeah, so. and I I do have ferment track, but one of the yeah, I do know that you still have to have the thermo well for it to factor the PID. Um you do get the temperature data, but it doesn't it doesn't use that to fire the fridge on or off. Okay. So, I I I do know that that is a thing with that particular system. But it is yes, you can have multiple chambers with multiple uh uh, webmost d1 minis running the script and you could actually sit there and have a panel of all your fermenters let's say you had five fermenters and five ice spindles and five uh ferment tracks running you could sit there with a, a web page of all of them and where they were in their different stages it's pretty crazy that you could even do that yeah it's pretty cool you really got full grasp of what's happened with your beard all times right totally so i mean it's, it's pretty cool before back in the day like like you know, I've been brewing for almost 12 years now on and off. And I mean, the amount of integrations and the made, amount of things that we have now is nothing like we had 12 years ago, right? Like, I mean, we didn't have the, all these hops. We didn't have all these different grain combinations. We didn't have all, you know, all this, you know, IoT devices at our fingertips that we can do all this fun stuff with. So it, it's kind of amazing. And, and you know, what's funny is that the hot new yeast that's out right now is Kvike, which is like, go throw it on your back porch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Tem- temperature doesn't matter with it. It'll chew through anything and it won't leave any any flavors, right? I mean, yeah, that was unheard of years to- ago, right? Totally. But, I mean, to be honest, if, if you're brewing something trying to be true to style, which, at least for me, when I'm trying to brew is very important, that is something that, you know, I'm going to use traditional yeast for that and I'm going to want to have as much control as I can. Yeah. Exactly. And this gives you that, right? I mean, it gives you, it lets you know when your beer is done fermenting, you can watch it as it goes if you want. And it gives you lots of information. You know, it lets you know if your yeast stalls so you can pitch more because that's another thing. You you know, you pitch a bunch of yeast and then all of a sudden you, you don't see any bubbles, right? Like that's always the biggest indicator. You know, I don't see any bubbles in the airlock. What's going on? Well, when you got this IoT device in it or the iSpindle device inside your beer, you can just open up the web page and you can see exactly what it's doing, right? So, and I can no tell get- you that bubbles are not the best indicator because for me, it 
I've seen times when I'm not, I don't have bubble, bubbles and I've dropped as much as 10 points in gravity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you would see that, right? That the tilt of the device would change and you would see that regardless of the bubbles, right? Exactly. And I know that there are other devices out there right now that are using bubbles as the indicator for your fermentation is done. I, I can't remember the name of that device, but I, I've seen it around people pushing it it's a yeah know. it's it's called the play-doh and i'm not a big fan of anything that's connected to the cloud you know there was the beer bug years ago where yep. you know you spent a 100 bucks and now the beer bug sits on your desk and you you remember it as a bad idea right yeah the so beer bug this, actually was 299 dollars oh 299 yeah. yeah and now it's a it's a paperweight right yeah because so, the, and, and what happened with the brew bug was it, it was a pretty cool device it gave you temperature it gave you gravity um it had a really cool piece of technology because it didn't use tilting it had a probe that kind of that kind of went down into your beer but the problem with it was is that they went out of business and their entire cloud service went out and as soon as that happened all the brew bugs stopped working mm-hmm. so, so like with the ice spindle it's all open source right i mean yep the source code's up on the website you know there's a bunch of guys that have built integration into it so there's a bunch of different firmwares in it and i mean it's once you get the device built like once you actually get the thing built, all you gotta do is, you know, it's got the you know, these Wemoses or eighty two sixty sixes, right? They they have the USB connection, you hook them into up to your computer. You you know, on I use, you know, Windows, but I know there's you know, some guys use Mac out there and Linux, so there's different ways to flash it. You know, you got the I use the node MCU firmware uh, programmer. You basically hook it in, it finds out finds the port. You, you go to the config option, you load in uh, whatever bin you want in the top one, and you go back to operation, you hit flash, you wait for it to, you know, scroll across, and uh, when it's done, it's done. You unhook the device and plug it back in, and then you got to have a Wi-Fi device in order to connect to it and in, in order to set it up initially so you gotta i always just use my phone because what the what the device will do is when it's first initiated it'll set up uh, just a wi-fi hotspot on the device usually call i spindle you know 1000 or something you connect to it and then you can come you know set up the device configure the dice that's where you do the configurations and then when you hit go it connect you know you set up a wi-fi device that it connects to so like i said before if you have a wi-fi router that's close to your um your device or your, to your fridge or something you want to hook it up to, or if you just have one, you just set those set those parameters in the thing. You hit you hit save. The thing disconnects. Your phone will lose connection. When it comes back on, it's ready to go. Basically, you just plug it into the board. So, I mean, it's super easy. There's not much, like, you know, if you built a brew pie, you know, there's not too much different than building an eye spindle so and it's nice to think the two of them go hand in hand together so i agree and and to be honest i think this is even more simple than building a brew pie at this stage because the at least the old brew pie to build was really difficult and you know back when i built mine in 2015 there was no board to order and if you did it was from uh Elko or Eklo from from Norway, and that was also kind of a pain to get because he stopped making the boards, right? And so right. it was it was something where 
now I think that having like things like PCB.io being able to get those boards and being able to actually solder into them and have the directions right there makes it like a breeze. Yeah, and you're not dealing with high voltage mains like you are with the brew pie as well, right? There's no electricity. I mean, the only electricity that's coming out of the ice spindle is what's coming from the battery, right? So yeah, there's no. You don't have to worry about electrocuting yourself or shocking yourself, right? Totally, and it, not that the relays were really that hard to deal with, but yeah, they they are definitely high voltage, and you don't have to deal with that when it comes to the ice spindle. You just have the battery. Right. Yeah. So yeah, and then what other kind of projects are you working on now with your brewery? So I like I said I'm I'm uh, I'm building I'm you know I'm a tinker I've gotten into tinkering the last couple of years um, I'm building uh, my own brew pie slash less uh, PCB board right now that's got the um, SSRs built right into it so you don't have to go out and you know buy. Uh, different SS or the actual SSR units to use with the brew pie list. And basically it's just a one step board. You connect everything into it, hook up the PSU into it. I'm working on that. I'm also, um, I'm big in the craft beer pie as many people know. Um, and I'm building uh, a fridge board right now with the same thing. So I'm building a board for the craft beer pie right now. Uh, that'll, hook up and do the same sort of things there's craft beer pie does firm or brewing and it does fermentation but i don't like having everything all on one board so i'm building a board right now that's got ssrs uh separate on it so you can just trigger those to run a fridge while you're fermenting with it and the craft beer pie has ice spindle capabilities built into it as well and, and the so. craft beer pie just uh for somebody who's never heard of it is a is a really cool project that you would be able to is a really cool project that you would be able to like manage your entire brewery on uh, essentially the uh, from mash temperatures to boil to everything right to everything to fermentation to yeah brewery the, your brewery all, everything built in the one and you just need one raspberry by the to run all of that so or most people you know will buy two or they'll get the little the little one the um the raspberry pie uh zero it's the the zero yeah they'll they'll run their fridge off the zero so and, and a separate separate installation of craft brewer pie so that they're not kind of the on the same system is that the idea yeah so yeah it, it's a real cool it, it does you know you're you're it's cool that there's integration in all of that and you know it's fun to be able to tinker with all this stuff and it's uh it's a pretty cool hobby so Awesome. And and if, uh, like, I, I know that you, at least from your website, that you are in the process of creating a board that you're looking at selling for the craft beer pie. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I initially had another one that I was selling, and that one ran out of functionality and didn't have the, you know, the functionality that I wanted of running the PT100 sensors instead of, um, running the Dallas DS18B20s. Uh, the PT100s are way more accurate. And also I got flow sensors built into it and also uh, adding in the capabilities to pressure sensing too. So you can hook up a pressure sensor to your vessel and you know exactly how much press, you know, how, what the volume is in there too. So, and then, yeah, I'm building the brew pilus. I'm looking to add the ice spindle, but um, 
we'll see where that gets to. It's a, it, you know, the craft beer pie takes up a lot of my time, but it's cool that I can integrate the spindle into it, and that's why I'm looking to build the the fridge board to interface to that, so that I can use the ice spindle with the craft beer pie uh, fermentation mode. So. That's awesome. Would you happen to have your uh, website address handy so that if somebody wanted to check out these boards that you're selling, they could uh, come and have a look? Yeah, for sure. It's uh, www.brewthings.com. So. And you're, you do ship to the U.S., right? Yeah, I ship all over the world. I've actually shipped boards. If you can throw a dart on a map, I probably shipped a board to that country. So. That's awesome. Uh, so. Awesome. And, uh, you know, hey, Dave, I just want to thank you for coming on the show and really explaining such a, a really cool project and something that I had no idea about. Uh, like I said, the last time I looked at the project, you still had to 3D print a sled. Um, until today, I didn't realize you could just get a PCB board to make that all into a one, all-in-one unit, and it's even easier to do now than it used to be. Yeah, it's really easy with the PCB board. So I definitely definitely recommend going that down that route if you're going to build one. Uh, Cherry Phillip has really put a, a lot of work into the board that he has right now, and it, it you know it definitely shows. So that's awesome. And, and so what we'll do today is that uh, in the description of the notes, I'll, I'll obviously add a link to your website. I'll also add links to the 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 forum posts and the uh the github for the ice spindle so that if you want information on where to find one just look in the show notes we'll have links to all of those things and uh dave i want to thank you for joining me today on the show and uh talking to us about ice spindle yes definitely and thank you for having me today so it's been a pleasure so Once again, I'd like to thank Dave for coming on the show and teaching us all about the ice spindle. Remember, if you want to leave feedback or just ask a question, you can email the show at podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. Once again, that's podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. And please follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for the handle homebrewingdiy. Once again, that's at homebrewingdiy. And Homebrewing DIY now has a website, so you can hop on over to homebrewingdiy.beer. I uploaded all of the links that you need to know how to build an ice spindle in the detailed show notes there, so come on over to the website. And that's the end of the show, so thanks again for listening to Homebrewing DIY. <laughs>